is the Becoming Epic Podcast. Becoming Epic. Epic isn't a word that we're just saying. Becoming Epic. Every person is courageous. Fitness became a blessing. It's my secret weapon. I'm living every second motivating you to become epic. Welcome back to the Becoming Epic Podcast, where we take life head on and build the courage needed to live an epic life. So this episode is going to be a two-parter because the over the course of these three years, I faced some pretty big challenges. And I want to talk about something in this episode that isn't an easy subject. And I believe it's not talked about a lot just because of the negative stigma behind it. Um, but I have suffered from anxiety and depression basically my whole life. And in 2018, this is the biggest event where my anxiety really got to me. And so things were going great in my life. Uh, my business was growing. My role as a father was growing. Uh, my daughter is my greatest gift of all life. And yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. My tribe and I were crushing a triple trifecta at the Spartan races and the experiences that we were having were just so magical. And in May of 2018, we did the Big Bear race. And if you don't know Big Bear, Big Bear is a kind of the SoCal ski spot. Um, the elevation, I think, starts at the base is at 5,000 and it goes up to about 8,000. And this race specifically was a 15-mile course, and it had about 6,000 feet of total elevation gain. And I would say that this is probably my toughest Spartan race to date because it was extremely difficult. The I think I was more nervous about the elevation than I was the actual race. And it was just kind of like a weird time in my life. You know, all these things were happening. Things were great. Um, but I just felt kind of off going into this race. And, um, about into this race, we were, I don't know, about six hours into it and I was just d done. I just remember sitting my ass on the hill and I was like, I'm not moving. I'm mentally exhausted. I'm physically fatigued and I just, I don't want to do this. So the group that I was with, I think there was a total of maybe 17 or 20 of us, um, all in different smaller groups and the group that I was with. I was like, you know what, just go on without me. We'll f I'll figure it out. And at the time, um, I had this amazing client. Well, I still have this amazing client. She's one of my greatest and dear friends, um, Anne, who actually sat with me for the next, I don't know, few hours as I kicked and screamed and cried and laughed and farted and did whatever I did on the side of this hill because I was just so done. And I just cannot believe that she stuck with me through this weird, <laughs> weird moment. Um, but this was a major starting point in my life. Um, and I didn't realize it until after we finished this race. And so after this race, um, I, I was like, I'm never doing this again. It was like something that broke me down more than I ever could imagine. And after telling myself that I just didn't want to do these races again, the next month we ended up going in June to Monterey and this was a shorter distance race. So this was about a nine mile race. And this course wasn't as difficult. The hills were pretty brutal. Um, but what was made it really difficult was the heat this day. And I would say that was probably the hardest obstacle. 
And right after this race was done, I felt like I couldn't recover. And I just remember my heart rate being so high. I was definitely felt dehydrated being out there as long as we were. like it being nine miles. I think it took us maybe about four hours ish to do this race. Um, and I just never felt like this. So I tried to ignore it and, you know, try to get some water and fluids in, but nothing that I was doing was working. So, you know what? I was just like, whatever, I'll ignore it and let's just move on. So that night after the race, I remember we were out to dinner with all of our clients and I tried to eat. And I remember taking my bite into this burger that I got and it just tasted like metal. And I was just kind of like nauseous and trying to drink water and nothing was really working for me at the time. And being in Monterey, I'm away from home and yeah, it was kind of just like nervous and nerve wracking. And I just never felt this way before. All of my clients were having such a great time and all I could do was basically walk around. I left the restaurant, started walking around the harbor in Monterey, which was cool, um, but just left and just feeling kind of panicky and just weird and with my heart rate being as high as it was, I just felt really uncomfortable. And so the next day, I remember I got some sleep, but the next day we woke up and we flew back to LA. And I remember being at the airport, just feeling nervous and just trying to drink water. I still haven't been able to get some food down in me and I just felt off. And I remember after the flight, the landing um, just set me off. It was the most bizarre thing. The plane had a really hard touchdown and it just really freaked me out. And to be honest with you at the time, because it set me off into like a severe panic. I thought I was having a heart attack and I've never had any issues with my heart or my, you know, buildup in my arteries. My cholesterol is always good. Um, it was definitely scary. I had some pretty interesting symptoms, never had like the numbing of the arm or anything, but it was just bizarre. And I've never felt like this. And so um, the heat from the race, the lack of sleep, and the buildup of life's pressure, I think, just really got to me. And I remember on the way home from the airport, I was like, I looked to my ex. I was like, we got to go to the hospital. And we had some friends with us. And basically, we just dropped them off on the side of the road. And they called their significant others and got picked up and worked out the driving situation. And we went to the hospital. And... When we got there, I got admitted to the ER uh, right away, and they treated me basically for heat stroke. Told them what I did that weekend, did the Spartan race, it was hot, um, lack of sleep, lack of food, and they basically just pumped me up with um, an IV and kind of just let me sit there for a little bit and rest and relax until I was able to you know, kind of calm down a little bit and sent me home after that. My vitals were good. Everything that they checked were, you know, great. So yeah, again, they just sent me home. Um, and then the next day I woke up in a even worse condition, woke up in a severe panic. I was pacing back and forth in my house. I'm like, I gotta go to the hospital. Gotta go to the hospital. Gotta go to the hospital. And basically just didn't know what to do. So in my town, there were my local doctor's offices. I basically went there and it's not in hospital. Um, I just went in to try to see if I can go see my doctor, just given my, you know, results from the day before of my heart rate and my blood pressure and all my vitals and stuff. And I just didn't know what to do. So we went there 
they wouldn't take me back right away. And so I was freaking out so much that I was running up and down the hallways, basically yelling, I'm having a heart attack. And all I remember was seeing the faces on the other patients that were there, basically freaking out because I was freaking out and really just made it uncomfortable. And then finally a nurse comes out and pulls me into the back and there's an area where there are like three emergency beds, I guess, just in case, which I didn't know this. Um, Cause I figured there's doctors there, so they're going to help me. Um, and they, so they ended up taking me back and my doctor came out to see me. So after my doctor ran my numbers, everything basically came back normal besides my blood pressure, which was the only thing that was not normal. Um, it was elevated a little bit, but not too crazy. And I remember being in this like crazy state of panic. So I felt like I was sprinting down a train tunnel, being chased by a train with no end in sight. And it was just scary. I just didn't know what was going on. And this was basically the start of the next three months of severe panic attacks. So that day my doctor gave me a pill to basically in case of emergency break glass, take this, it should help you calm down. And it definitely didn't work. And since I was a child, I always had depression and anxiety, but it never infected me this way. And to this day, panic attacks are the scariest thing I've ever been through. At the time, my biggest trigger was having another panic attack, which then would actually send me into another one because it was just so scary that I never wanted to feel like that. But then the fear of having a panic attack would send me back into more panic attacks. And this was a daily reoccurrence for basically three months. And I had to take time off work. I even had to step back with my daughter because everything was a trigger and set me off. And I remember for Father's Day of this year, we went to Cambria, which is a small beach town in Central California. And at the time I couldn't drive because I didn't want to, yeah, everything was a trigger at this point, driving, living life, being outdoors. It was definitely bizarre. And I remember being on the freeway and there was an ambulance and I turned to my ex. I'm like, just follow that ambulance as far as we can, just in case something were to happen and we would have to flag them down. And it was just such a bizarre comfort at the time, knowing that in case we had to stop them, that they were there. And so over the course of these next few months, I saw doctors, I saw specialists, therapists, I even got on some medication and I just wanted to feel normal. And I just didn't know what that looked like moving forward with what I was going through. And I could tell you one thing that exercise, even just walking at first helped me so much. And because having an elevated heart rate, I track everything, I wear a wearable, like a, a fitness wearable and it tells me my heart rates. And even having a slightly elevated heart rate would basically send me into this panic attack. And so I started with walking and that was definitely the craziest time in my life, but I truly love talking about it. And I feel like so many people have gone through something like this, but they go through it in silence. And I don't know if it's, because they're embarrassed about it or they feel like they're like they're the only one. And I remember when I was going through this, I'm like, you know, I felt so alone, right? You're, you feel like you're running down this train tunnel with this train chasing you and there's no end in sight. And it's very scary. It's very real. And, you know, depression and, and anxiety, I feel like has a bad stigma, you know, for most people. And I do think it just needs to be talked about more. 
And as I was able to come to grips with what was going on with me, um, I started to really open up. People are asking me like at my work, like, where have you been? Why have you disappeared? Like what's been going on? And they knew that, you know, I wasn't my normal upbeat, crazy self. And, you know, and so started talking about it. So telling them my story and, you know, sharing my experiences with them. And then out of the blue, I would get, you know, Facebook messages. I'd get phone calls. I get text messages of people that have actually gone through similar experiences. And I feel like a lot of people, so I'm 37 years old and, um, this was what, 2018. So I was, so I was 33 years old when I was going through this. And I feel like a lot of people in this age range experience something like this, at least with the people that were reaching out to me and, you know, being in the fitness industry and so many people thinking that just being in shape and eating healthy is all that you really need, but it's so much more than that. And there's, lifestyle, there's, you know, kids, there's, you know, jobs or stress, there's so many external things that are thrown at you in your life that you really can't control. Um, but lifestyle is such a huge aspect to this. And honestly, I hated the way I was living. We were racing basically every, almost every weekend. Um, again, hi, my name is Adam Berezowski and I am a race addict. And, um, I needed major change in my life and, uh, you know, I don't know what this normal new normal was for me, you know, moving forward, but I know it was going to be a long road. So I started to slowly get back to work, um, and pivot the way that I was living. I wasn't, you know, waking up at four in the morning every day to go to work since, you know, my gym opens up at five, um, at the time I was smoking a lot of pot and I quit cold turkey and that made a huge difference in how I was able to manage the panic attacks because for a very long time I was using pot to um, help combat my anxiety and depression and it was working for a very long time until it wasn't anymore. And so one thing I still do to this day in my life is I like to take an audit on how I'm managing my life and then making small changes on the fly. And I think that that's one great thing that I've learned through this is that when instead of waiting till you're kind of drowning, right, to then start to make changes is looking at your life as a macro and seeing what's working and what isn't working and then pivoting on what changes need to be made. Um, you know, my relationship with my ex changed at the time my go, go, go lifestyle changed at the time. You know, we were racing all the time for medals and really just because, um, you know, and for me, like, I mean, actually I think for everybody, you know, change is very scary, but it's also inevitable. And most of the time the world changes around us and it's us that isn't changing and adapting. And that's, you know, the building the courage to then make those changes to, you know, face life and whatever it has to throw at you. And so, you know, I'm going to leave you with this lesson. Um, in school, you are taught a lesson and then given a test. In life, you are given a test that teaches you a lesson. And that, I heard this the other day, and that just struck home to me because especially with this now podcast journey I'm on, um, reliving some of my hardest moments of my life and then taking those lessons and then learning from it, you know, because it's been the courage that I've built to make the changes. It's the, 
the ability to see that what was working is not working anymore and really doesn't serve its purpose in my life. And so I really hope that if you've gone through something like this, that you reach out to me, you reach out to family, you reach out to friends and your supporters to be able to, you know, just have support and get that community behind you because that is something that was really big that helped me through this. Um, and I hope that you make the small changes that you need in order to um, continue on your journey to live this epic life. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And I hope you are able to take something away from this and I'm here to support you. So please don't hesitate to reach out, leave a comment, share whatever you, whatever it is that you need to do to um, get the support that you need. Well, I believe in you always before you believe in yourself and every person is courageous. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Epic Podcast. If, if you're still listening to this, that means you took something away from this episode. Make, make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Becoming Epic. We'll see you next time. Fitness became a blessing. It, it, it's my secret weapon. I'm living every second motivating you to become epic.